Hello and welcome to the final episode of the season for the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you, Francesco? I'm very well, thanks, Sam. Good to be here as always. Um, yeah, and uh, looking forward to the review season. Yeah, been a, been a brilliant season in Serie A. And Michael Jones, how are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I think it's similar, really. It's almost the hangover of it was a doubly good final day in Europe. I thought there was so much drama and um, especially late on, which I'm sure we'll come to talk about. But yeah, lots to take in really and kind of still just trying to appreciate what's even happened in some parts of the table. Yeah, well, we're going to start at the top of the table, of course, and Milan needed just a point to win the title. But in the end, they did it in some style, being Sassuolo 3-0, all three goals in the first half. Francesco, I know at the start of the season you had some reservations about Milan. Um, you know, they did so well last season. They did lose a couple of players in the summer with Donnarumma and Chalanolu. How have they been able to move from second to first? And, and, and has it been a really big surprise for you? Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, when when we spoke about on the podcast, on the podcast, I actually had Milan as missing out on the Champions League places. So I don't I think you're the only one. I don't think yeah, you're the only one. I wasn't confident at all that I, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't convinced by their transfer market. I and um, I think they deserve a huge amount of credit for what they've achieved. I'm. Uh, I'm. <clears throat> What, one of the things which I think is very noticeable is how many players improved dramatically throughout the season. Um, I'm thinking of Kalulu, I'm thinking of Tornali, you know, who struggled to get in the team last season. They were both excellent by the end. They've become, well, I think Tornali's been a key player all through the season and Kalulu by the end, you know, one of the better defenders in Serie A, I'd, I'd argue. Um, so... I think Pioli deserves loads of credit for getting the absolute maximum out of his players, out of the squad he he had. And and possibly, you know, I think I and maybe some others underrated how good this, this side was in terms of their technical and physical ability. You know, this this is a gifted squad. They're, they're not perfect, and I still don't think they're the best squad in Serie A, but they have lots of really good players and lots of players who are getting better and better. They're still young. They have huge potential, some of them. And and we've seen them fulfil quite a bit of that potential this season. So I think Pioli deserves lots of credit for that. And, and that's probably the way that they've they've managed to, to go from second to first. Yeah, Michael, um, as Francesco mentioned there, overall, it's, it's a fairly young squad with, with a couple of obvious exceptions, the likes of Ibrahimovic and Giroud. Um, it looks like they're going to lose Kessier this summer. But other than that, the squad will probably stick together. So do you think Milan have a really bright future as well as, you know, they've done in the present as well? Yeah, I hope so. I, I think, you know, ultimately the sad reality is Italian teams have generally struggled in the Champions League in the past few years so that will certainly be a big challenge but they will come into that group seeded next season and hopefully with a strengthened squad even with the departure of Kessier I think there's really good foundations and I think that law of being the champions going in with what should be a good chance of progressing in the Champions League obviously they won't know that the fate in terms of what the group will be until late in the transfer window. But 
that hopefully will be a lure for a lot of those younger players to stay around. Um, I mean, the players like Rafa Leao, who we've seen sort of develop astronomically this season, yet what's still so exciting about him is that you still feel that there's so many more levels for him to go. And you feel like that could be said for quite a few players. You know, Francesco just mentioned mentioned Tenali, Kalulu, both key examples of that. Ficario Tamori, just how good can he become? And there's examples of that all around the squad, really. I guess the one thing they want to avoid in the summer is bringing in the kind of players who may upset the apple cart a little bit and maybe disturb, you know, the great work that's been done there. I think that's so. I think recruitment's going to be so key for AC Milan, not just because of the player or players they could be losing. Yeah, the the other thing I'd I'd add about Milan is, and I think this is something that is worth underlining, is in the top five leagues this season, I think all of the leagues have been won by the richest sides with the exception of Serie A. I think Milan, in terms of what they're spending and, and wages and stuff, they're probably third or fourth in the league. And to overcome that economic bar- barrier, you know, at the, at the moment, how wealthy you are in football, how wealthy the club is, is definitely the single biggest contributing factor to success. And And for a team to you know, win a league without being the wealthiest team in that league is really quite difficult and quite rare. So the fact that Milan have managed to do that, spending, you know, a lot less than Juve, quite a bit less than Inter as well, is is a really big achievement. And also in terms of their future, you know, you, you, that's the question you asked, Sam. I think the key for them is, is being able to hold on to those big players, um, probably more so than anything else. And the difficulty in that is is the finances. You know, if if the biggest teams in Europe come and offer huge wages, like, you know, we've already seen it with Donnarumma, we've already seen it with Kessier this this year. Um, you know, you could add Chananoglu, these big teams that can offer more money. Um, I think it is going to be difficult for Milan. But qualifying for the Champions League is obviously going to help. Um, you know, there's also quite quite a lot of rumour about Milan possibly being bought out by someone and and maybe uh, someone who has, you know, wealth to offer. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting team for... for it's an exciting time to be a Milan fan. And also, I, I guess they have put themselves in, in an excellent position to be bought, you know, um, what Michael says about them. You know, they're, they're the current champions of Serie A. They have all these young, exciting players. Um their Champions League side, if someone was looking to invest in European football at the moment, I think Milan would be a great option. Definitely. Uh, they were, of course, run close by Inter, um, only two points in it at the end of the season. But for much of the second half of the season, Michael, Inter actually led the league. Um, but do you think it's harsh to say that perhaps they they threw it away a little bit? Do you think Milan completely, completely earned it? Um, or, or do you think that, you know, Inter maybe were uh, sort of caused their own downfall at times? I'm thinking that Bologna game, which they led in and then they lost 2-1 with, with a ridiculous winning goal, really. Will they look back and regret those or, or overall across the season were, were Milan j- just that little bit better, perhaps? Yeah, I think they don't have to sort of mutually cancel each other out, really. I think that I think the title was Inter's to win. Going into that second half of the season, I think they did throw it away and AC Milan actually ultimately by far the deserved victors of the Scudetto. But I think, you know, had 
Inter Milan being able to sort of sustain that consistency during those that second half. Um, I guess what became increasingly apparent as the season went on was that Inter Milan almost reminded me a little bit of the AC Milan team from last season, where you felt like they kind of had to be playing really, really well to be getting results. And maybe the one thing that Simone and Zaghi's kind of struggled with this season is that when they've not quite been on it, they just haven't been able to manage those situations, which has led to their surprise results, like we saw against Bologna. And we've seen quite a number of times during this um, second half of the season. So I, I don't think it's been a disastrous season by any means, because I think it, you look at what Inter Milan went through last summer with their ownership, with the financial constraints and the sort of reshaping of the squad with a new manager. You know, ultimately they took it the title race to the last game of the season. But there was a lot of really good work done by Inzaghi with this Inter Milan team. But the, it, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, it is very hard to take a team in one season that has gone and undergone quite a significant change and made them, you know, quite clear title winners, which people thought they might be for long periods, but ultimately they weren't. Yeah, of course, they Inter won the league by, I think it was 12 points in the end last season, but but not quite able to retain their title this time around. I, I want to move on to the, to the bottom uh, end of the table. And of course, we knew going into the final weekend, it was going to be Salernitana or Cagliari joining Venezia and Genoa as the sides to go down. Um, Francesco, it quickly became apparent that Salernitana were not going to get a result. And so Cagliari needed to beat bottom of the table Venezia to stay up, but they can only manage a draw. And so Salernitana have pulled off the great escape. How happy are you for them? And also for Cagliari, does this final result, not being able to beat bottom of the table, sort of show that they really deserve to go down in the end? Yeah, I mean, with with Salernitana, is, I think it's fantastic. They, they almost, uh, you know, were thrown at the league at the turn of the year. And um, at that point, it looked like they were definitely relegated already. And I think the way they've been able to save themselves has been amazing, really. Uh, the amount of results they strung together to, to close that gap. And um, with Kayari, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think it is... Uh, you know, it feels like it's the result that, that shows the kind of team they've been this season and and probably ultimately, you know, it, it is a reflection that, that they deserve to go down. I think if you if you if you give any of those sides, um, you know, the opportunity to save themselves by beating a team that's already relegated on the last day of the season, you know, most of them would have said, yes, we'll, we'll take it. And then to not be able to do that, I don't think you deserve to stay up. So, I, you know, I'm sad for Kayeli. I think it would have, I would have liked them to have stayed up as well. But um, in the end, they probably deserve to go down. Yeah, it seems to have been a bit of a slow death with Genoa and Cagliari for a few years now. And, uh, you know, that they've basically been relying on three teams being worse than them for about three or four seasons. But but eventually it's caught up with them this year, it seems. How about you, Michael? What, what are your thoughts on, on you know, Salernitana's great escape? Because as Francesco said, I think sort of six weeks ago, they, they were down, weren't they? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny, you know, looking back on it now. I mean, Salernitana, it's incredible they got into the position they did and it's incredible they did stay up, don't get me wrong. But kind of once they reached that 30-point mark, their performances started to really drop off again. And really, 
they were they were really there for the taking. I mean, you just think Cagliari hosting Venezia on the last game of the season and them not being able to get a win. Salernitana succumbing to a 4-0 defeat to Udinese. Um, it's a brilliant, it's one that we'll look back on. And when you think of like what Francesca was saying in terms of their ownership situation coming into 2022, it is really remarkable that they're actually even going to be a Serie A team next season. And I think that in is as much as one of the sort of sensational aspects to the survival as is the points that they were able to pick up in the last two months or so. I think um it's I think it's really good to see. I mean obviously Calliari have gone down it's great to see another team in the South of Italy staying up because the representation hasn't been as good there in for quite a while now. And yeah, I think ultimately I think it's it's great they stayed up, but I think in quite kind of ironic circumstances that they put in such a dismal last day performance. Yeah, they they really were poor. And I, I mean, they could have been 4-0 down at half-time. Um, um, Udinese missed a penalty and added time um, in the first half, and, but they ended up losing 4-0. But, but Salantana have pulled it off uh, and will be in Serie A next season. Um, I want to move on to the end-of-season awards that were announced at the end of um, last week and also yesterday. Um, so I'm just going to list the the awards that were handed out. And I want to get your opinion on whether you agree with them or whether there's any you disagree with. So, Francesca, I'll come to you first. We, we saw best goalkeeper go to Mike Mannion um, for his performances for Milan. Best defender went to Bremer at Torino. Best midfielder, Brozovic. Best attacker was Immobile. Uh, best under-23 player was Ozimen, and MVP of the season was Rafa Leal. Are, are there any of those um, that you disagree with and, and why? Yeah, the only one that I feel relatively strongly about in terms of disagreement is, is Bremer. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, I think Bremer's had a, a good season. I think Torino got the fifth best defence in Serie A and they finished 10th, so you know, as far as he's concerned, he's doing his bit and, and possibly the rest of his team could be helping a bit more. He's he's the star defender in that team as well. So he has had a good season. I think he's a great player. But for me, um, you know, I don't see how you couldn't give this to, to Mori. I think Tamori has been excellent all season. I think he's played with three different partners and, you know, he's not struggled with any of them. To me, that the reason Milan have won the league, the main reason is how good they've been defensively. And I think he is the, the biggest contributor to that defensive solidity. So I personally think that he has been the best defender in Serie A. And um, I would say that he deserves it more so than, than Bremer. I mean, um, how, you know, how is this award voted for? Is it, is it by, like, um, by fans or by the, the league itself? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who decides, but um, yeah, I, I I know that Bremer's had quite a lot of attention. I think um, he's been linked to a lot of the big clubs. Mm. There was a little period, I think, in the season when he had some very kind of, uh, I, I guess, spectacular defensive displays against some high-profile players, and I think he really came to the fore then. But but to not give it to Tomori seems seems crazy to me. And uh, you know, I'd argue there are some other players as well who who who'd be in the running, certainly as much as Bremer. People like Skriniar has also had a good season. Inter have got a good defensive record. 
Napoli had actually as good a defensive record as Milan. You know, they were the joint best defences and Koulibaly and Rachmani have, have both had great seasons. So they would be in the running for me as well. But um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure how... And not say, and again, it's not to say that Bremen's had a bad season, but I'm not really sure how they came to this and, and who came to this decision. Yeah, we're going to move on to your respective team of the seasons later. And, and interestingly, neither of you have gone for Bremer. So um, I'm, I'm not surprised that you're disagreeing with that one. How about you, Michael? Um, do you disagree with any of those um, those selections by Syria? Yeah, I disagree with a couple. So the centre-back one, as you said, he's not in my team of the season. I, I personally, I mean, I think as good as Tamori's been, I think the outstanding individual defensively has been Mike Mignan. Um, so whereas I think you look at Inter Milan and you look at Napoli and I think okay whilst they have been good defensive units I think there's maybe been a bit more of a standout centre half in terms of uh, the season even if they've not had the same success and they'd be the two that Francesca, Francesca said actually I think it's very tight between Skriniar and Koulibaly I'd probably be edging towards Skriniar I think Skriniar's actually been absolutely fantastic this season and I think when you kind of look at the emergence of Bastoni I still think there was quite a difference in quality in terms of and what they brought to the team throughout the entire season. And Skriniar was popping up with important goals as well as his defensive contributions. Um, the other one I disagree with is Osimian for the under-23s award. I think Osimian's had a good season. I'm not quite sold on him sort of meriting that award. Um, I, I don't know how these awards work where they don't want to duplicate Winners of the awards, but in my opinion, Rafa Leal should be earning that award over him. He would qualify, I believe. Um, I feel like there's a couple of cases elsewhere. I'm not quite how how old is Tamori now? Speaking, or he's 24 he's, now. 24, so just yeah, missed so out. But yeah, yeah, as, as you said, there, there would be the option to go for Rafa Leal uh, or or Blavich, I think. Um, yeah, and I think they both. I think Blavich would certainly be. A much more worthy winner. I'd, I'd probably say, okay, if Leo was going to get the MVP, um, I think that the under 23 should have gone to Vlaovic. Also, Tornali would be worth a mention, I think, in the under 23s. I think he's had a, he's been a big contributor to Milan's uh, to Milan's Scudetto, so he'd be worth a mention, I'd say. Yeah, I think with Ozerman, he actually missed about a third of the season. I think he played 26 or 27 games, but I I, I guess with him. The thing is, the eyeball test of with Ozzyman, I think he looks a phenomenal player when he does play. And I think if he can stay fit for a full season, we're looking at a, a really good player. Um, but yeah, th thanks for your opinion on those guys. I've, I've got a few more categories that I'd like you to, um, you know, come up with, with a name for me. So first of all, I've got a best manager. Now, I've got a feeling I know who you're going to go for, but but perhaps some honourable mentions as well. So I'll come to you first for this category, Francesco. Yeah, I I mean, I'm guessing you're, you're suggesting they'll both go for Pioli. He's obviously had an amazing season. Um, and I think he has overachieved with his squad. And, we you know, we've already spoken about how much credit he deserves. I think David Nicola is is definitely would be someone to to talk up here. I think, as we've already said, Salentano were basically relegated when he took over, or as good as, and he's done an amazing job, you know, throwing his shoes around to to great success. So, so I think uh, the fact that he's kept them up is is incredible. You know, he's repeated what he did at Crotone, and 
he would probably be my my choice um you know i, I think after purely but but he'd be up there and and how about you michael uh, would you go with pioli as well and, and are there other managers that that have really caught the ipu this season yeah i'd absolutely go for pioli i think he's had an outstanding campaign in terms of other mentions um one of the ones that probably really stands out for me is Igor Tudor. I think he's done a great job at Hellas Verona. I think that was a really, people maybe underestimated how difficult a job that could have been. I know he didn't directly follow in the footsteps of Ivan Juric um, with different Francesco's uh, ill-fated spell at the beginning of the season. The other one I'd probably really like to just shine some light on, I know we mentioned Nicola, but I think it I think over the, if we're looking at managers over the course of the season, Andrea Zoli at Empoli, I think with the squad that he went with to get them comfortably away from the relegation zone, then they never really looked in serious threat all season. With a squad probably not too different in characteristics but than some of the teams that they came up alongside with in the likes of Venezia and Salernitana, I think it, it's he's he's been absolutely brilliant, and of course we have to consider with the managerial change, you know, him only coming in for this season as well. I think he's just done a sensational job, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, definitely some 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 good names there. Um, next category I want to move on to Francesco is is best signing of the season. So so who takes that for you? I think I'm going for Tammy Abraham. Um, I think he's had an excellent first season in Italy. Um, probably has improved uh, throughout the season as well. Uh, I think he finished really strongly. And, um, you know, I don't think it's easy for, for players their first year. Um, if you think how Eden Zecker got on his first year in, York, in uh, Roma, I think he only scored about five goals. So Abraham's far exceeded that. And... And Roma is, has been a pretty tricky place to play, I think, this season. But he has hit the ground running. I think he's got a great relationship already with the with the fans. Um, you know, Mourinho obviously loves him. His teammates seem to love him, and and he's, you know, he's he's been a big. He's probably been the biggest contributor, single contributor to them getting back in, uh, getting into the Europa League this season, but also getting to this conference final. So, I yeah, I think I'm going for Abraham. Yeah, been an excellent debut season for him and, and hopefully he remains at Roma next year. It'd be, be great to see him stay in Serie A. Um, how about you, Michael? Have you got Abraham as well or have you got a different name in mind? Yeah, I wouldn't have him too far off. Obviously, he came with a hefty price tag and I think he has delivered. He did. It is important to remember that there was a period where he did struggle a little bit more earlier on. One of the ones I would go for in terms of when you're looking at price tag and putting sort of everything into it would be Olivier Giroud. I genuinely don't think AC Milan win the title without him. Obviously, it's important with the brace on the final day, but that goal, even for that goal alone in the Milan derby a few months ago or the two goals that turned the game around, you just wonder if it wasn't for him in that moment, would that have sparked this insane momentum AC Milan built in that second half of the season? Maybe maybe honourable mention would again be going back to Hellas Verona and maybe look at Giovanni Simeone. I know that he's obviously been in Serie A for quite a while now, but that signing, for both from Hellas Verona's perspective and Cagliari's perspective, looks like brilliant and awful business at the same time. And his goals, sort of seeing him starting to realise his full potential more, 
and be playing in a system which has enabled them to do that. I think it's been brilliant for Los Verona and it's, you know, made their season a very enjoyable one with some really memorable matches, which he played a key part in as well. Yeah, Jack, I'm a little surprised that. neither of you have gone with uh, Mike Mannion here, but uh, but but yeah, still still some interesting calls. But I, I think Mannion's been been phenomenal. Um, so so definitely an honourable mention for him. Um, penultimate category I want to go on to is a surprise package of the season. Um, so w- which team is really, you know, the the perhaps weren't expecting to do well, Francesco, but 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 have. That is a, I mean, it's a tricky question, I'd say, because some of the teams that maybe didn't do as well last season, we thought they might do better this season. I'm thinking of Fiorentina, Torino, who both struggled last season. They've had much better seasons this year. I, I think probably Udinese would be pretty close for me. Um, they, you know, they it's, they finished 12th. It's not exactly an amazing result, but they've actually been, you know, they put in some really good performances against the bigger teams. I think they've been tricky to play against. And um, they lost some big players last season, you know, DePaul above everyone else. And they've actually done a pretty good job of uh, of putting together a decent team again. They've got some interesting players. You know, I really like Beto. We, we met, I mentioned him earlier in the season. We were talking about kind of our favourite signings. And there are others there as well. And so, yeah, if I have to pick one team, it probably would be Udinese. And how about you, Michael? Yeah, so I'm trying to mix it up. So I'm not going to say Empoli, but I think they'd probably be a strong contender. I'd say the other teams I'd probably focus on are Salernitana. I think everybody expected them before they were deemed to fail when they came up. I think Fiorentina, although people sort of saw the amazing work Italiano had done, it was still by far a foregone conclusion that they'd be challenging that top six or top seven even, you know, finishing above Atalanta is a huge achievement in itself, even if they've had a poor season. And that is also with losing Vlaovic midway through. So I think they've done really well. The other one I'd like to mention actually is Spezia, another team sort of similar to Salernitana. When you look at the ownership situation, you look at the transfer embargoes they've been handed with, and then, and also losing such a charismatic manager in Italiano, who looks to be one of the brightest managerial prospects in Italy. And in fairness to Thiago Motta, he looked like he was facing a sack, I think, twice during the season. Um, they managed to sort of power through for large periods of the season, at least. And although the points tally wasn't super high, again, they were never right in the midst of a relegation battle. And I think they've done really well, given what was put in front of them in that sense. And final category, um, at the opposite end of the scale, I, w- I want to get your biggest disappointment of the season. So so over to you first, Francesco. Uh, yeah, I think there are two or three here that are worth a mention. I think Juve would be worth mentioning. I know that they've finished the season in the Champions League places. Um, and, you know, that is that is something, I guess, but before the season started, I thought Juve were the favourites for the title. I think they have, I still think they have a very talented squad. And um, I just don't think that Allegri ever really settled on a formation or a, a way of playing. And even though they spent big again in, in the winter, you know, in the winter market, they, they just weren't able to to really get going. And, and I expected a lot more from them this season. So they'd be one. Also, Atalanta, uh, you know, 
they've had a tricky season, I think, but to to drop completely out of the European places, um, you know, is disappointing. And it, it it feels a little bit, even with the way Gasperini was talking at the end of the towards the end of the season, like the end of an era. I, I hope I'm wrong and that, that we see Atalanta bounce back and and you know qualify for Europe again because they've I think they've done you know, as well as playing some really exciting football, they have been a credit to the league. You know, they've they've really represented Serie A well in the in the Champions League and in the Europa League over the past few seasons. So it'd be good to see them back in in those competitions. And the other team that I'd mention, and this is probably slightly more controversial, is Torino. I, I know that Torino have, have improved a lot compared to last season. They've had some big results. They've they've stopped a lot of the bigger sides, but. It felt at one point in the season where they could really, you know, threaten the European places. And in the end, their season kind of petered out a bit. Um, and so I would I would include them as one of the teams that, that I'm slightly disappointed in because I, I did think that, that they could have had a, a European push. And how about you, Michael? Yeah, I'd agree with Juventus to an extent. I'd certainly say Atalanta are probably the front runners for this accolade. I'd say I think I don't know if Gasparini's partially I think he's maybe quite to blame as well and partially the recruitment and basically all the things that have gone so well for them in recent years we kind of saw him tinker a lot with what had worked for them and the types of players in certain positions and I thought they just kind of became a much more inverted less creative more functional team this season and it just kind of went against they kind of not only just like sort of fell off because of not been able to sustain the amazing heights they'd set for a number of years. But they'd also kind of abandoned loads of key principles I thought they'd brought into a lot during the past few years. And it kind of felt like watching a bit of a, a different club, not just a different team in the past season. So I've been really disappointed in that aspect. I wouldn't agree with Torino. I actually think um, George has done, and, and I know Francesco sort of has given them credit. And yeah, maybe they could have pushed on, but I mean, I don't think the end of the season was that bad. And I do think that, you know, Belotti's future has been so uncertain for the whole season. And I think he's actually managed that situation as well as he possibly could have. And even if Belotti's output's not been massive, it looked like it could have been far more disruptive earlier on. Um, my other main contender for main disappointment of the season is actually Sampdoria. I think they've been tremendously disappointing. I think you look at the players they had coming into the season, you look at the Euros that Mikel Damsgaard had had, there was excitement surrounding Roberto Diversa's appointment there, sort of finally given that opportunity to kind of build from some of the really good work done at Parma, and it all just felt so flat. And the fact that they were another team who weren't safe from relegation, you know, coming into the final month of the season, for a team of that quality, and you look at the additions of Caputo as well, I think it's just generally really poor and really disappointing so I'd say though themselves and Atalanta would be my front runners for that award Excellent well th thank you for your for your suggestions there, there guys um, we're now going to finish the episode by looking at your respective team of the seasons now I asked you to submit these prior to the episode um, and you've actually gone with eight names the same um, but we do have three differences between your teams so we're going to focus on that so so you've both gone for Mike Mannion in goal no surprises there um, you've both got Koulibaly and Teo Hernandez in your back four but Francesco, you've gone with um, you've gone with Di Lorenzo at right back, 
and Tamori as your other centre-back. Michael, you've gone with Quadrado at right-back and Scrinia as your other centre-back. So, Francesco, can, can you explain your selections for us? Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've already spoken quite a bit about Tamori and to me, he's been the best defender in the league, so I'm not going to say any more about him. With Di Lorenzo, I think that he has had an excellent season. And also, if you look at where Napoli fell down this season, in many of those games, it was when Di Lorenzo wasn't available, so didn't play. I think he is so key to that Napoli side, more key than maybe you perceive when you're watching them. And he's a really complete fullback. You know, he attacks really well. He's a fantastic athlete. I think he's a great defender. And I think he has kicked on massively. And yeah, I do believe that that if he'd been fit for some of those matches, then maybe Napoli would have been in the title race, you know, right down to the end of the season. So so that's why I picked him. I, I think, you know, in my opinion, I think he's definitely had a better season than Cuadrado. Sorry, Michael. Yeah, Di, Di Lorenzo seems to be one of those players who uh, you notice more when he's not playing um, and, and just how important he is to that Napoli team and, and also how important he was for Italy um, in, in the Euros last, last year. Yeah, and, and uh, so then, Michael, we've got, uh, you've gone for, as, as I mentioned, Quadrado and Scrinier as your, your two differences in defence. So you want to argue your case for those two? Yeah, I must admit there's probably a little bit of diplomacy with these selections in the sense of not just selecting the entire AC Milan side because I think, yeah, Tamori certainly has a great case to be involved, as does, I think, Calabria. I think Calabria has really sort of grown into such a leadership role as well in the last second half of the season. Um, but that being said, I do think that they're very, they'd be merited selections on my part, I think. You look at how far Napoli have come in the past year and I think Koulibaly has been the standout player for me in that team and I think that's why he makes it from that perspective. I would say that for Quadrado, I'd say that I don't even know if Juventus do qualify for the Champions League without him. I think during those middle months when they were very inconsistent with performances, I think he said, OK, his defensive output was has never been brilliant. You know, this is a guy who was a winger for years. But in terms of the width he bring that team and actually give them more balance and the sort of danger he had for them going forwards, I thought was huge. And I actually think he played a really understated role. And I think when he leaves Juventus now, I think because of the impact he's had this season, I think also maybe in the season before as well, um, again, when they weren't so strong, I think fans will look back on Quadrado's time in Turin really fondly because they'll appreciate he did a very good job in a team that's in a team full of players who have been playing below their ability. He's kind of done gone the had the opposite trajectory. In your midfield threes, you've you, you've then agreed on two. You've both got Brozovic and Milinkovic Savic. Uh, Francesco, your third player in there is Tonali. Um, so you've already spoken very positively about Tonali to, today, but um, I, I want you, I want to get your thoughts on Brozovic because he did win the best midfielder award, and I, I know you rate him really highly. So, are you surprised by just how good he is now, considering when he first came to Inter, you know that? He, he wasn't a definite starter and there was a bit of conjecture about his best position. Was he an attacking midfielder or should he drop a bit deeper? So are you surprised by how far he's come over the past few years? Uh, yeah, I mean, when he first joined Inter, I think you could see that there was a player there. But 
for him to become what he's become, I'm not sure anyone would have predicted it. I think he is. I think he's the best player in the league. Um, I think there is no one in the league who is more important to their club than than Brozovic. Um, you know, you can add Leao and Tamori and all of those guys. I think Brozovic is more important to Inter than than any other player in the league is to their own club. You know, when I was when I was doing a bit of research for the podcast, one thing that came up repeatedly um, is there are loads of articles out there saying basically the same thing, which is Inter aren't the same team without Brozovic. You know, if you look, there's one by Gazzetta dello Sport, Repubblica, Sky Italia, they've all written the same thing, which is this guy, you know, Gazzetta dello Sport put it as non c'è Inter senza Brozovic. There is no Inter without Brozovic. You know, I know that's not literally true, but I can see what they're getting at. Um, this season, he only missed three games I think for Inter and they didn't win any of those games um, and it was in that crucial period when when you really feel like they lost the title he is such a big miss for them and you you it's perceivable when you watch Inter with and without Brozovic you don't need the stats to back it up you can see that they are a completely different team uh, if you I, I don't know if you remember the Torino versus Inter match this season but it's probably the worst performance they put in I mean in the end they got away with a draw but it was like they didn't know how to pass the ball. And that's without Brozovic. I mean, he makes such a difference. But also, the numbers back it up. Uh, you know, he runs more than any other player in the league. He covers more ground. Um, he's also number two for total passes attempted. Uh, only Lopez uh, has has passed the ball more than Brozovic this season. It's two, he, so he's passed the ball 2,575 times. It's a huge number. He touches the ball so often. But also, he's one of the top 10 for success rate. So he's got a 92% success rate. So for someone who's passing the ball that much to complete his passes so often, it's just the the quantity and the quality with Brozovic is so high. And uh, yeah, to me, he, he is such a good footballer. So I, I, I you know, he's unlucky to, to not win the title this season. And, and the fact that Inter renewed him for three years, you know, I think that is one of the best decisions they've made, um, you know, for a long time. Yeah, it's certainly a crucial part of their team. Uh, and Michael, you've actually gone with another Inter player to make up your midfield three. And along with Brozovic and Milinkovic-Savic, you've got Chalanolu. So what's impressed you so much about Chalanolu this season? Yeah, I think from his perspective, you know, people will be made look back on this season and think of his departure last summer, the high-profile um, city switch that he made to Inter Milan. But... What's kind of impressed me is that look, Nico Barella has, for a number of reasons, not looked up to the heights that he'd set last season, where I thought arguably he could have been, he was the league's best player. But the way Chalanoglu's kind of come in and so quickly established himself as a central part to Inzaghi's team. But then I think he, we've seen him take his game to a more consistent level. We've always known he's kind of been ex- capable of doing the extraordinary, but I think we've just seen so much more to his game in the second half of the season and so much more consistency, like I was saying. I think he's actually taking quite a leadership role in that Inter Milan team, especially in their attacking third. And you look at the numbers that, you know, Martinez and Xhaka both had good seasons. I think Chalonoglu's had a massive part to play in that as well. And I think it ended up, I mean, that probably also should fall into the conversation of signings of the season for me as well. Of course, being on a free agent. But yeah, I think chalonoglu has been outstanding and I think he should be recognised for the efforts that he's made. 
I, 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 what Michael's saying, you know, I agree with what Michael's saying there. I think Chanaloglu and and a lot of people because of the switch and the fact that he's he's basically managed to lose the titles two two years running with two different teams and they switch from one to the other. You know, a lot of a lot of the Milan fans, especially, have been basically making fun of him. But I, I do think that he's had a better season than last season, Chanaloglu. I think he's been Michael's right that he's been more consistent and. Um, Excuse me. I, I, the reason I picked one earlier is just because I felt when it really came to it, um, he really showed up for me. I think he's had he he's been great all season, but in the running, you know, you think of the games against Lazio, you think of games against Verona. Tonali, he's still young; he's only twenty-two years old. He really showed up, and and at times when Kessier and Benasser have been missing for Milan this season, Tonali has been solid all the way through. So that that is my reason for choosing him, but. You know, Chanaloglu is, is also a very good candidate. And then moving on to the front three, you've both actually got identical front threes of Berardi, Liao and Immobile. Now, we've, we've talked about Liao in, in depth tonight um, and, and how, you know, he, he won MVP and, and looks to be an exceptional talent. Um, so I'm going to ask you to sort of talk about one player each here. So, Francesco, uh, Berardi... Um, you know, how sort of highly do you rate him? And, and and do you feel that he's going to be this player who stays at Sassuolo for the rest of his career? Or could he eventually, or could he get this big career move? And, and could it possibly even come this summer? I rate him really highly. Um, because he, he contributes so much to Sassuolo and his goal contributions are so high. This is best ever season for, for goals and assists. I think he's got 15 goals and, and well, it depends where you get your stats from, but it's between 13 and 17 assists. So he's the assist leader in Serie A. And um, I really hope that he doesn't stare Sassuolo. You know, it's nothing against Sassuolo, but I do feel like he could play, you know, Champions League football, really. And I also think he would be so well suited to Milan, for example. I think Milan... That their, their big weakness is that the right side of the attack and Berardi would just fit in perfectly there. So, and in terms of numbers, you know, his numbers are better than Leao's. They're better than Insignia's. They're better than all those other wingers. He, he really is an excellent player who, who does, you know, make con concrete contributions. So, uh, yeah, I think he's excellent. Yes, yeah, certainly had another really strong season off the back of winning the Euros last summer, of course. And then Michael, um, Immobile, uh, once again, the league's top scorer. Um, I mentioned earlier with Ozzermen about the eyeball test and how he just looks a, a, a really good player whenever you see him play. Do you think that sometimes counts against Immobile and that perhaps he's not the most pleasing on the eye? Um, and, and also, you know, perhaps his spell outside of Italy in the past when he didn't do great. Um, but really, he's churning out stunning numbers every year, isn't he? Yeah, it's such a conflicting player. I mean, that's a good point. And obviously, his, his role in Italy's Euros win kind of came under scrutiny and the subsequent failure to reach the World Cup as well. So he is a really conflicting player in that sense. But that is kind of what leads me to putting him in this season. I mean, I feel like his goals kind of made you have to put him in. And maybe there's a part of me that was a bit reluctant to actually have him in. And, you know, had Vlahovic maybe stayed at Fiorentina and pushed a bit harder for the golden boot, then maybe he would have been in. But I actually think one of the things we should remember with him overlay is that 
there were doubts coming into this season with Maurizio Sarri that we'd seen all of Immobile's success at Lazio being under this Inzaghi system. And there were big questions whether he could make it work in a rather radically changed Lazio-looking team. And I think we've gradually started to see Lazio improve over the course of the season, but he's just been a constant throughout. And for Lazio to finish fifth, not far off the Champions League, although they were never really in the race that much, I think is a massive testament to the role both him and Milenkovic Savic have both played, who at times, I think, not single-handedly, because it's been a very much a two-man effort for those two have played gi- ginormous roles in getting Lazio that Europa League spot for next season. Yeah, ju- just quickly on Immobile, um, you know, I think he's been at La- in his six years at Lazio, he's scored 20-plus goals five times. This is the fifth time he's scored 20-plus goals. He scored 20 goals from open play this season more than anyone else. Even You know, he got 27 over- altogether, so he's got seven penalties, but he's still scoring loads of goals from open play. I think Michael's right to underline the formation, the fact that he has struggled playing for Italy in a 4-3-3. And with, with Sarri, he's, he's just fitted in perfectly. And I think that probably possibly says something about the way Italy play, not suiting him rather than the other way around. And, and also, uh, just because you mentioned the fact that, you know, he went to the Dortmund and struggled, he actually had uh, a better first season with Dortmund than, than, um, than uh, Lewandowski did. You know, if you compare their first seasons, he 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 had a better first season. I think he was the top scorer in the Champions League for them that year. So, uh, you know, I feel like he could have done more if he if he stuck around. But I also feel that now he is one of the most underrated strikers in Europe. You know, he is consistently excellent, and he is outscoring. You know, extremely highly rated players, players like Lautaro Martinez, players like Vlaovic. You know, 70, 80 million pounds players. He's consistently outscoring them, playing for for lesser teams. So I think he is he is excellent, and he thoroughly deserves to be in this in this side. And I think that's a great way to end the episode um, with with both you guys passionately defending him overlay. Uh, so thanks thanks for joining me today and throughout the season, and thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you again next season. Ciao. <laughs>